Brentford Bible Chapel. <laughs> All right. First Peter. Turn with me there, please. When we uh, met as the, the speakers before this series started on the one another's, we kind of had like a little, uh, you know, put all the cards in the table and, hey, pick what topic you want. And it came to my turn and I was like, oh, I want that one. I want that one. Why? Because it's one of my favorites. All right. Guess what's on? Well, let's read it in First Peter and we'll figure it out. It's pretty clear and pretty abundant. And if you haven't looked at your bulletin yet, it's right in the bulletin too. First Peter chapter 4, and we'll read at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality one to another without grumbling. That's it, without grumbling. Offer hospitality one to another. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I love hospitality. I love being hospitable to people. And I love receiving hospitality. I love when people show hospitality to me. <laughs> I've been trying to think of a word for that all week. Um, before we really get going, let's uh, open a word of prayer to the Lord. Lord God, our Father, we thank you for this time that we have to be in your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, that your word has no errors. It is perfect in every sense, for you wrote every word. And we pray that as we look into it, that you will convict us of our need to love each other more, uh, convict us of our uh, amount of hospitality that we are showing, because we know that it builds up the body. And Lord, I pray that you bless this time as we look into it and keep me from error. In your son's Lord, let me pray. Amen. Hospitality. Be hospitable one to another. It's pretty clear what it says, right? It's, it's not like, no, cut and dry. I wonder what that means. Like, you know, interpreting Scripture a lot is sometimes hard. A lot of gray areas. Like, I, I don't know how that means. You read it one way, I read it a different way. This one here, it's pretty clear. Be hospitable. So the plan today is to start, we're going to go back to some Old Testament and look at, hey, what did hospitality look like at the beginning? All right, what are some of the first accounts in Scripture that we see of hospitality? Uh, then we'll look at why we should do it. And then I'd like to spend the, the main, the bulk of the time that we have, hopefully at the end, looking at how to actually do it. What does hospitality in today look like? And I'll try and give you a lot of suggestions, a lot of tips, a lot of you know, helpful hints to get going. If you're someone who has a hard time being hospitable, I'll give you a lot of uh, little techniques or tricks or things that you could do to get yourself going. Okay, I want this to be really an um, applicational uh, message because I don't really need to preach too much on be hospitable because God says do it. All right, But we'll try and take a look at what that means. Okay, So let's start with going to an Old Testament uh, story, an account that we see from Abraham. All right, Go to Abraham. Go to Abraham. <laughs> Go to Abraham 18. Go to Genesis 18, please. <laughs> it's probably the first time I've ever said that. Go to Abraham. All right. Genesis chapter 18. 
The Lord appeared to Abraham, verse 1, near the great trees of memory, where he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then you may wash your feet and rest under this tree. And let me get something for you to eat, so that you may be refreshed, and then you may go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sheaves of fine flour, and knead it, and bake it, and make some bread. Then he ran to the herd, and selected a choice tender calf, and gave it to the servant, who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk from the calf that had been prepared, and he set before them. And they ate, and he stood near them under the tree. So we see here an account where three strangers, people that Abraham does not know, what does he do? He invites them over. He invites them in. Now, why would he do that? It seems kind of strange, right? How often do you just see three random people walking down the street and go, Hey, guys, come on over. Let me hook you up. Like, that's not normal in today's standards, right? If someone calls you, if you're going for a walk down the street, and someone calls you over, you're going to think, Hmm, this is strange. Kids, come a little closer to me, please. We're going to walk on the other side of the street so we don't get abducted. All right? Because that's not normal. But in this time frame, that was kind of something that was not expected, but kind of normal. Okay? Not, not to this extent necessarily. But see, back in the day, if you were traveling to a different location, you couldn't just write a letter and say, hey, I'm coming to town. Can you please, you know, find a room for me? I, I'm willing to pay. Can you get on the phone and call uh, Hartford? Hartford, um, I'm coming. Uh, is there a hotel that I can call and make some arrangements to stay at? No, there's no mobile apps that you could look up, find kayak, you know, or TripAdvisor, book a room, all right, find a place to stay so that you know where you're going because we're already planning our spring break vacation and we're already online making the plans. So we know where we're going to be, where we're going to stay, who's going to feed us. Back in this time, if you had to travel from one place to another, there's no way to make plans. You may be able to say, well, I think I can make it to the next city because that's like a, a one day's trip. But once you get to that city... Where do you stay? There's no Motel 6. Okay. It was an expectation, and God leaves this out more clearly in, in the Torah, that, listen, take strangers into your home. He talks about that a lot to the Israelites. Listen, be kind to one another. Love each other. Okay. Treat uh, strangers as yourselves. Okay. Love each other. And, and that was an expectation of the time. Now, when Abraham brings these people in, let's take some quick uh, little observations, okay? What's the first thing that he does to these strangers? Again, people he does not know. Right away he wants to serve them. He calls them over and says, hey, come to me. It's hot outside. Come take a break under this tree. Cool off. And I'm going to get some water so we can wash your feet. They, that's a servant's job. And he's offering that to these people. Okay. The next thing you notice is that he intends to feed them, to refresh them. Now, 
He doesn't say, hey, let me uh, see what's in the cabinets and let's get some peanut butter and jelly out here and feed these people. Now, what does he do? He gets the choice calf. He's going for the filet. He's going for the veal. He's bringing out the best. Okay, if you're, a meat, if you're not a meat eater, I'm sorry. Okay, but right there, that's just like, oh, man. All right, he's bringing out the best. He goes to Sarah and says, Sarah, don't just get the regular flour. All right, don't get the Aldi stuff. All right, go and get that choice, high grain, you know, nice fine flour and make some bread. Do it quickly, please. All right, we got some guests. When he goes to feed them, he doesn't just stop with bread and meat. He also brings out the curds and the cheese. All right, well, curds is, is like cheese, right? He brings out the milk and the curds. Have you ever had curds? Good stuff. Well, the curds I had in Canada are really good. It's like the after effects of mozzarella. It's really good stuff. Um, that's all I've ever had. I've never had the other stuff, I guess. But <laughs> It's good stuff. He's bringing out good food for these people. He's not holding back. He's treating them like honored guests, like royalty. He's not trying to go skimpy with them. Hey, guys, um, I, th- I think I got a little bucket. We can get some bucket from the river and get some water over here. You know, and then you guys can head on your way. No, he's not holding back. He's treating them like honored guests. And these are complete strangers, all right? He's honoring them. Now, he's in the front scene. Who's behind the scene doing a lot of the work here? That's right. Sarah's doing a lot of the work, right? And, and, and a lot of times, uh, when it comes to hospitality, uh, this is not true. I'm not trying to be sexist here or gender, you know. But a lot of times, it is the women in the home who manage their home, who do the cooking, who do the cleaning, all right, who do all the house chores. Do you hear from Sarah any grumbling and complaining going on here? Uh, Abraham, um, yeah, I, I haven't done my hair yet today. They can't come in. Uh, Abraham, the house isn't clean yet. The kids are making a mess. Keep them out. Don't let them in the door. They can eat outside, but they can't come in. Do you hear that? Do you see any hesitation from Sarah going on here? No. <laughs> Sarah is right alongside. She's the one. She's working the bread. Listen, it's not like, okay, I'll go to the cupboard, pull out a piece of bread that we just bought from the store, and I'll get the peppers from the good stuff. No. She's got to knead it. She's got to make it. Have you ever made bread from work? It's work. She's putting work into this. And there's no grumbling or complaining, no hesitation. She's on board. Good hospitality requires, if there's a couple, if it's a husband and a wife deal, all right, if it's you single, then it's all on you. But if it's a couple's deal, you both got to be on board together. It is a partnership thing. You're serving the Lord together. Regardless if one's in front, one's in back, you know, one's inside doing the work and one's outside, you know, uh, visiting with the guests, you're both doing it together. It's a partnership work. And it requires both of you to have the same attitude if you want to get the maximum blessing out of it. Now, I'll just throw this out to the elders. Um, Serving the Lord, all right, does it ever come at a convenient time? All right, to the elders. The phone calls that come when there's a you know, an emergency crisis, does that come at a time when, oh, Lord, i got nothing to do today. The kids are perfect in the house. 
life is a job. I have no work to do. I got it all finished. Oh, our phone call comes. You know what? This is perfect. I got nothing to do. I sure I can come over and help you out. Or, yeah, you could stop by, no problem. All right. All the time it's like that, right? No. It's never convenient, probably. Uh, maybe rarely things work out to be well where you got nothing you can leave behind and just go and do your jobs, right? But pro- my guess is that most of the time when God is calling you to serve him and there's a, an emergency going on that you got to get to, it's probably not a convenient time for you. It's probably not. All right? Hospitality is not always about your personal convenience. Okay? Serving the Lord means sometimes putting aside your personal comfort zone. Maybe your hair ain't perfect, but God's calling me to serve Him. You know what? I'm going to do it. Maybe my house isn't clean. Maybe I don't have food ready. Maybe it's a mess. Maybe I just, it's been a crazy day. But God's calling you to do something. Are you willing to just step out in faith and just do it? Regardless, put all those things aside that don't really matter. One more quick account, uh, if you turn the page. All right, but we do know that from Abraham there, what's the result of him blessing these men? What's the result of him uh, bringing these men into his home and, and, and uh, showing them hospitality? Well, these three men all right, go to Sharon with, because right, obviously it, it's, it's the Lord, right? The Lord shares with the angels. They'll come back a year from now, and Abraham, you're going to have a son. Right? That's, that's the rest of the story if you go through it. These three strangers tell Abraham, that, listen, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And we're going to come back a year from now, and, and we're going to prove that to be true. All right? So he gets blessed through his whole account anyways. But if you turn over the page to Genesis 19, not Abraham 19, Genesis 18, 19, okay? We have a picture here. It's just a few weeks later or so in time. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you guys know this story well. Right? Verse 1, Two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down, bowed his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house so you can wash your feet, spend the night, and then go your way early in the morning. No, they answered. We will not spend the night in the, oh, sorry, no, we will spend the night in the square. But instead he insisted so strongly that they did, that they did go with him and they entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. If you remember the rest of the story, uh, the people in town are not so hospitable. The people in town actually come out and they want to do a moral thing with these men. But, uh, but it, Lot protects the men. And through the end of the story, these two angels bring Lot and his family out of the city and God burns the city to the ground, right? But what do we see about Lot here? One, Lot, again, inconvenient time probably for him, offers these two men to come into his home. And does he simply say, hey guys, uh, why don't you come on over? Does he just throw out an offer there? Well, at first, what did the guys do? The, th- the two angels, they resist. They said, no, nah, we don't need it. We'll just, we'll just spend the night outside in, in the local square. No, he insists strongly with them that they have no choice. They, they say, okay, fine, we give in. We'll come over. Are you the kind of person that when you ask someone over, you say, hey, balls, how about you guys come over on Sunday? But in the back of your head, you're like, I really hope they have other plans. I really hope they don't come. Like, I just want to, like, make it feel like I love them. I want to make it feel like I offered it out to them. But in the back of your head, you're like, you're a double-minded person. Yeah, I want to make myself look good. Hey, guys, uh, last minute here, you want to come over today for lunch? 
you know, because you don't really want to give them too much time to think about it. Hey, you got 30 seconds to answer me. Come on, can you come over now? You know, and, and hoping that they actually say, no, have you ever done that? Hey, can I come over? Is there anything I need you to help? You know, is there anything you need help with? Oh, actually, not really. Hallelujah. They don't need anything, right? Is that the kind of attitude you have? That you throw out offers to people, willing to help, but you really don't want to actually help. You're just doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. That's a wrong attitude. Lot is not willing to take that as an excuse. No, guys, I'm going to bless you, and I want to serve you. I want to provide for your needs because I see that you just came in from a long journey. You're going to stay with me. There are times as believers when we need to be a little forceful with each other. All right? Because a lot of times you'll ask me, hey, Brian, do you need anything? What's my answer automatically going to be? No, I'm fine. I'm not fine all the time. All right? There are times when I need things. I need you. I need help. I need love. Okay? Be a little forceful with me sometimes. All right? Now, it doesn't take that much, you know, armoring going to, to come over my, for me to come over. But there are people where they will resist. Sometimes it's good to be a little forceful with people out of love. Hey, listen, I want to bless you. Please let me do this for you. Okay? Don't be a double-minded people, willing to offer in words, but not really in your heart. <coughs> now, Sodom and Gomorrah is a great example where the town people did not show hospi- uh, hospitality to the strangers. Right, you keep reading the story, they really want to do uh, really immoral things with the people. And what happened to the city? Yeah, God burned the city to the ground. Okay? Can anybody think of an example in Scripture, outside the two that I've mentioned, where hospitality greatly rewarded the hosts. Where someone showed hospitality and there was great reward to those who hosted them. Can anybody think of an account like that? Bingo. That's exactly where I was going. Rahab. All right? Rahab. The Israelites were entering the promised land. They sent out some spies into the land. They came to the city. And the people in the city found out that we are spies here. Rahab takes the enemy. The Israelites were their enemy, right? Rahab takes the enemy and hides them in her house. Brings them in. And then lies to her own people that they're not here. She provides for them. Brings them into her home. These strangers, these enemies, she brings them into her home. And what happened to her in her household? Her and her whole household were saved. Saved physically and spiritually. And we know that amazing her account is recorded in Scripture. Her account of hospitality, she's found in the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. In James, when James talks about what it is to live out your faith in good works, hey, show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works, Rahab's name's right there in that section. Okay, Hospitality does not always come at a convenient time, and it means taking on sometimes strangers, sometimes even your enemies. But sometimes there's a blessing to come that you don't even know about. Romans chapter 12, please. All right. Today's corporate prayer, so I got to make sure I finish on time today. I get that wing wing nod nod from John. <laughs> All right. Romans chapter 12. 
why. All right, Brian. I kind of see a little pattern that's happening in Scripture, what hospitality kind of means. Why should I do it? Why, Brian, should I be hospitable? Outside of First Peter 4, be hospitable to one to another. I mean, outside of it being command, why should I do it? Okay, Because I don't like being commanded to do things. I kind of want to do things on my own terms. Why should I do it? Romans 12.1, I read this morning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And I shared again this morning that why should I do this? Why should I offer my body as a living sacrifice? Because God's been merciful to you. God's been merciful to me. He spared my life when he should have just gone, snoop, snap, done, be out of here, Brian. You're, you're unworthy of being in this world. You're unworthy of being here. You're a disgrace. He should just wipe me out. But no, he showed mercy to me. He has shown mercy to all of us. And we're still here living and breathing. We have a great life. We have a great Savior. Man, he has blessed us, right? He has blessed us. Why should we? Out of act of love to him. All right, Brian, so if I'm willing to serve him in this manner of being a living sacrifice. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Okay, I'm willing to do it now. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Keep reading the chapter. It explains that. And it explains it in great detail what it means to be a living sacrifice for God. To actually live out your life and volunteer service for Him in a way that pleases Him to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And one of those things here falls down under verse 9 where he talks about love and what it means to love others as I have loved you, and here's some of the things I want you to do. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. If you want to live a life worthy of all that God has done for you, share love with others by being hospitable, he says. You want to give your life as a living sacrifice to me? One of those things you can do to show me that is be hospitable to each other. Be hospitable. So one, we should do it because God has saved us and we do it out of love. Yes, we saw it's a command. But a way that we can do it is out of love because God would like us to do it. All right? Hebrews 12, 2 says this, Do not neglect to show hospitality one to another. And do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have even entertained angels without even knowing it. Now, if you read through the qualifications of an elder, what are the qualifications of an elder? If you don't have them memorized, I'll read them to you right here. Ready? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. An overseer, an elder, a bishop, okay, must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife. They must be temperate, must be self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Man, those are some, those are some high callings, right? It must be temperate, self-controlled. That's, that makes it very difficult right there to pick out someone who's worthy of being an elder. They must be respectable of all people. 
Okay? They must be able to teach God's word. Okay, that's important. They must be hospitable. Must be hospitable. In my mind, of all the things God has said, if you want to be a leader in the church, if you want to be an elder, if you want to be an overseer, responsible for all the the flock in the assembly, God says out of the six things or so that he wants these people to look like, they must be someone who's hospitable. And in my mind, I've been like, man, God, you couldn't have chosen elders should be generous. Elders should be wise. That's, That's it. They should be wise, man. They should be men of prayer. They should be a good listener. They should be a memorizer of the word. They should be a servant. They should be financially wise or stable. They should not be a lover of the things of the world, the toys and the things that you could gather. They shouldn't be lovers of those things. Like Those are the things that I thought a leader should be. But God chose instead to put the word hospitable in it. Why is it such a big deal? Because obviously, if it's God's expectation for the leaders in the church to have these qualifications, hospitality must be a pretty big deal to God. If He wants those who are leading the church, the ones that we're to look up to as an example who are leading the faith correctly, okay, they have to have this criteria. And it must be pretty important then to God. It must be pretty important to God. God knows that if you want to be a good leader, you must be willing to invest in other people's lives. You see, when you are hospitable to someone, you're not just offering them a meal. You're offering to share your life with them. You're sharing your family. You're sharing your time. You're sharing your life. Everything that you've invested your energy into that's important to you is in your home. And you're willing to share that with others. That's why God says, my elders, my leaders, they have to have that. There must be people who are willing to invest in other people's time, in other people's lives, and bring them into their homes and share, hey, listen, this is my home. You're a part of it too. God has done that with our own family, right? God has done that to me. He's brought me to his family and said, listen, you're a part of my family now. Well, this is just a side note, um, but maybe, maybe this is you. You think to yourself, hey, I have no friends in church. No one talks to me. No one wants to be near me. You know, I, I just don't feel like part of the in crowd, maybe. How come, how come these other people in church, man, they're always getting invited places. Like they're always part of the in crowd. How come, you know, everybody likes them so much? Let me just give you a little little insight here. How much have you invested in other people? What have you done to invest your life and share your life with other people? Now, there are families in this church that if you want to know what an example of hospitality looks like, I can name them out for you. I'm not going to, but the Guardios do a great job of that. Okay? The Vecchios do a great job. The Vecchios' door is always open. Always open. I don't think they even have a lock on the door. Okay? I've walked in there, and whenever I'm there, there's always someone else that's not their family eating food in their house. Okay? Both sets of Cliffords. Man, there's always people at their houses. Okay? They invest their quality time, their precious time, those families invest it in other people. 
they have built meaningful relationships with the majority of people in this church. That's why people want to hang out with them. People always want to talk to them, know what's going on in their lives. Why? Because they've invested their lives in you. How much have you invested your life in others? When was the last time you invited someone over? Or invited someone to go out with you and do something? If the answer is never, well, maybe that might be one of the reasons. Okay. Let's go straight to, because we have the Kevin left, so let's go straight to strategies. What are some ways that you can bless others by being hospitable? And I'm going to give it some simple ones for starters to get on to more, you know, advanced ones, okay? We'll get beginner steps to more advanced steps. Beginner steps. Maybe you're not ready to have people over to your home. Maybe you don't have a home because you're a kid. Teenager, Matt, okay? You can be hospitable, Matt. You don't have your own house yet. Maybe one day you will, okay? But right now, maybe you don't have your own home. Maybe your home is not... Set up to have people over, whatever your reasons may be, okay? Uh, does that mean you cannot be hospitable? No. You can be a hospitable people. You can share your life with people, but hey, make a basket for someone and bring it to them. There are people right now who can't come to your home, maybe. There are people who are unable to physically get up and come to your house. Maybe they're elderly. Maybe they're in a hospital. Make them a basket and go visit them, okay? And you don't, want, don't say, hey, can I come over? Just show up. Okay? Just show up. Be a little forceful, respectfully. Be a little forceful and say, hey, I'm coming over. I got something for you. Okay? Do it. Whenever there's a new family in my neighborhood, uh, my wife is very good at reminding me that, hey, we need to go see those people. And we make them a gift and we go visit them. Say, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Whenever there is construction crews, in our town. They're doing the power lines outside. They're doing work on the street. Or maybe they're doing work on my own property. The first thing my wife does, we're going to make some cookies. We're going to make some muffins. We're going to bring them some water. And she'll literally walk down the street and say, boom, here's a plate for you guys. Just wanted to say thank you for the work you're doing on our street. Whatever it is. Being hospitable. Okay? You can do that, for, obviously, for, to each other too, all right? Um, you can go visit someone. We talk about that. And here's a great one. I never, I never got this one till, till lately. Maybe you don't have kids. There are other families with kids here, right? You really want to show that you care? Go to one of their kids' sports games. You got nothing to do because you're sitting around all night? Listen, get up off your couch. Call up a Clifford. Call up a Vecchio. Call up uh, Randy. Any of your kids play sports? All right. Call up one of the families and say, hey, listen, I hear so-and-so's got a softball game tonight. Where is it at? I want to come watch. I want to come cheer on your kid. That's huge. That's huge. Okay? Maybe they have a piano recital or a dance play or a, a something. Go see what other kids, other families' kids are doing and invest your time in those families by supporting them. With respect to the church itself, how, we, how can we as a church be hospitable? Okay? We can have a church booth at the local fair... And show the world 
that, hey, we are not a closed-off little cell and we don't want any part of you outsiders. We can open ourselves up and say, hey, listen, we want to welcome you to our church. Here's who we are. Here's what we're about. Okay? We want to share our lives with you people. Maybe we could even offer, one of those things that we've done in the past, a free car wash to the neighborhood. Come on over, everybody. Come to our place. We'll wash your cars and we'll serve you. Okay? We've done leave raking. Free! We'll come to your house and we'll rake your leaves. That's us as an assembly, the saints of God, this little body of Christ here, going out and blessing the community and showing that we love them, investing our time and energy in those people. We can do carnivals. We can do dinners for the neighborhood. Okay? You can even do free tutoring for the neighborhood. I know churches that do that. Hey, come on over. Every Thursday night, we'll do free tutoring. Now, for your house, okay, this is where it gets a little harder because now it's in your own home. And boundaries are hard here now because this is your life. But ideally, this is what maximum hospitality looks like, opening up your home, okay? Now, you're not ready for a meal yet? Okay. Host a game night. Hey, call up random people in church and say, listen, I'm doing a game night tonight. Come over with and hang out with me. I'll put some chips out. Maybe some cookies. I'm not even making this huge meal. That's a great ordeal. Okay? But we'll do something simple. Just come hang out and be in my house. Okay? Come play some games with us. All right? Call people over to enjoy the blessings that you have that others don't. What do you mean by that? Some of you out there have pools. When it's hot in the summer, I don't do well with heat. Now, this has changed since I just got a pool last year, right? But up until last year... I, I'm a Canadian. I don't do well with heat. I'm cold-blooded, okay? When it's hot outside, I am miserable. Ask my wife. I don't do summer well. I'm a grump. Guess what? I lived at the Vecchio's house all summer long because I was always in the pool cooling off, okay? If you have a pool, don't just say, hey, you know, Bartholomew, you can come over whenever you want. No, no, no. Make them come over and hang out. Now, they had their own pool, okay? But find a family who doesn't have a pool and say, hey, this Tuesday, bring your family and come enjoy my pool. Okay? You'll, you'll probably find that they're not going to say no. Okay? They might say no. If you just say, hey, come over any time, they'll say, okay, thank you. And they'll probably never show up. Okay? But if you tell them, hey, Wednesday night, come over, or Wednesday, whatever during the night, come over, use my pool, cool off. You got a hot tub. Share it. Okay? If y'all got, I'm going to get personal here. Ready? I'm not calling people out. Hot tubs. If you got a campfire pit, have people over and share it with them, okay? If you got beach parking access, there are those of us who don't. We would love to use that stuff. And I don't even have to go in your house. But that's you sharing the blessings that you have. If you have access to hunting or fishing on your property, maybe you have access to boating on your own lakes. Hey, listen, you want to be hospitable to me? You want to invest your, your life in me? Say, hey, Brian, come on over. Bring your family. Do some fishing on our property. We'd love to have you guys over. I don't even have to go in your house. Okay? But just sharing what you have with me blesses me. Okay? Maybe you have a playscape in your yard. And there are others in our church who aren't blessed to have a big yard for their kids to play in. Just say, hey, listen. Bring your kids over and play in my yard for an hour or two. Okay? Or there's people here who have kids... They don't have space to ride their own bikes around in the neighborhood too much. The neighborhood's not conducive to riding your bike around. Hey, bring your kids over and let them play in our neighborhood. 
All right, we got great sidewalks, open space, it's a dead end. You know, it's a great place to learn how to bike. Bring them on over, okay? Um, maybe you have a great garden area, all right? You have a huge garden area. There are people in the church who would love to have a garden that ate on space for one, don't have the right conditions because it's too much shade. They can't garden. Hey, listen, I'll put off a patch in my garden. I won't grow in. You can come over and put your own plants in my yard. And if you can come maintain them, great. And if you can't, then I'll, I'll help out a little bit. But let's share this garden together. Okay? I'm going to go deep here. Some of you might have vacation homes. I, I, I know this is tough. Just stretch here. Some of you have vacation homes in Florida, Vermont. you got a cabin in the woods. Okay? There are people that are not blessed to be able to afford those type of things. I'm not telling you you have to. I'm, I'm, this, is, this is hard here, I know. This is going real deep. But there are people in the church who cannot afford their own big-time getaway vacation. And the majority of the, the expenses on a vacation are what? Hotel room to stay in. If you have a vacation home or a second home that you only go to three weeks of the year, offer it up for someone else to go there. Hey, guys, my place is empty. Go, go use it, please. Just clean it up when you're done. Okay? Like, that, that's huge. That's huge. Like, do you know how much that would mean for a family who can't afford to go away on a family vacation ever? Let's talk about meals themselves. Have people over for a meal. Now, if you're not used to having people over for a meal, it, it, it can be a little scary sometimes. It's, it's okay. All right? Having people over for a meal is, is probably the most intimate thing you can do with another couple. That, that's why God stresses it so much. Because around the table, it gets intimate. You talk, you eat, you, spare quality, you spend quality time together. I know in my home, I like to have people over. And my wife and I will talk at the beginning of each year. Hey, this year we're going to have more people over. And we say that. Hey, we're going to have people over that we've never had over this year. Guess what? A whole year goes by. Shoot, I guess we missed that one. You know, literally, time flies by, guys. So start your plan off like this. I don't know what to make. Well, start collecting some simple recipes. <coughs> Put them on the side. Hey, when company comes over, I'm going to make these meals. Already have them prepared. That way you don't have to go freaking out. What am I making? What am I going to make? What am I going to make? No, you already have something ready to go. You have an idea. Then go through and make a list of all the people you want to have over. People you're... You can start with people you're comfortable with, okay? And then you can start branching off to people that, hey, I've never talked to these people before. I've never even, like, I know, I, I know they're my church. I know their names in the bulletin, but, like, who are these people? Put their name on the list. And here's the hard part, ready? Take your phone calendar app out, pick a date, and put their name in it now. It could be two months out from now. Put their name in it. If you actually make a date on a calendar, you're more likely to keep the date. Instead of just saying, yeah, you know what? I, I, I'd love to have the Macellos over someday. Guess what? That day's never going to happen unless I actually sit down and make a date with it. Okay? Good. Three weeks from now, invite Macellos over to house. Okay, done. Now, if they say no, that's on them. But at least I'm putting some effort here into trying, and I'm holding myself accountable to it. Okay? Start simple. Okay? Start with friends. Okay? Pray that God will work in your heart and that he will help you with your nerves. 
Remember that memories require time and effort and energy to create. Okay? Have people over to your home. Invest your life in them. That is huge. Okay? And when the people are leaving, saying, I love hanging out with you, come back soon. Okay? Some simple steps to having people over. If you want to go and be more like Abraham, inviting strangers into your home, I got a few ways you could do that. All right? There are missionaries and itinerant speakers who travel the world and they come home on furlough. Do you know what that means? If you don't know what that means, it's right. The hardest ease or that we're here, right? When they moved to the Philippines and were there for like 10 years, they sold everything they had back home. They went from Brantford to the Philippines, left nothing here. So when they flew back to America to stay, to visit, either on furlough, which means come back for a few months, for a few years, uh, as a reprieve, as a break, maybe it's health-related, whatever-related, okay? They have nothing. They have nowhere to stay. They have no vehicle. They have no means of transportation. Do you know that there are organizations that are looking for people to put their name on a list to host furlough missionaries? Let me give a few. Ready? Hospitality homes, servant care, furlough needs, friend in action are all four good organizations that will, looking for people like us to put our name on a list and say, hey, listen, when a missionary is coming through town, they're not looking for a month-long stay. But listen, they're traveling from point A to point B in America. They can't afford a hotel room. Let's put them up. Hey, I have a spare bedroom. No one's using it. Missionaries can drop in. Hey, they just got out of the airport. You know what? I can pick them up from the airport. They can stay at my house for a couple nights, and then they can move on wherever they got to go. They're also in there. They're looking for people with vehicles. Hey, do you have an extra car? Let them borrow the car while they're in town. They're looking for all kinds of things. All right? Clothing, food, shelter, transportation. All right? This would be what God is really ideally looking for, not just for us within church, but the church is global. There are missionaries who need things. They come home and they have nothing. We have so much stuff within this church. And we could be serving missionaries around the world. Our itinerary speakers, when our guest comes here in three weeks, he's got nowhere to stay. Now, maybe someone's already grabbed him up, but someone's got to grab him up, house him at their house, feed for him, take care of him. He's not going to have a car. He's going to have any way to get around, so provide for him transportation. If you really want to get serious in being hospitable, there are ways to do it. There are ways to do it. It just takes a little action on your part to get moving. And God's calling us all to do it. i got one quote and I'll finish with this. Biblical hospitality is not always a well-groomed home that is presented with flowers and candles. It can be, okay? It can be. It is a character trait that should characterize every believer in Christ. And it may take the shape of getting coffee at a local coffee shop. It could be dinner out with a couple that's the same age or is that same stage of life as you. Okay? It could be bringing in a new neighbor. Right? Bring them a meal. Or simply inviting others to your house for a pizza. Okay? 
Whatever form it takes, make Christ a center and allow the love of Christ to flow through. It's all about just being united with other believers and sharing time in, in uh, love with them. We're going to move into our annual corporate prayer time. I'm waiting for the theme to pop up, Josh. I'll start our time in prayer, and uh, Marcella is going to close it for us. Lord God, we give you thanks for your great love towards us. We thank that you have adopted us into your own home, into your own family. And you give us the very best of the best. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to be hospitable one to another in this own assembly, even to the saints around the world, and even to the strangers that we don't know down the street. I pray that we'd be willing to show your love to all people, that we'd be willing to share our lives with others. Lord, we thank you for your word again, and we thank you for this time. In your son's name we pray. Amen.